Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. 1 Samuel chapter 18, verses 1 through 12. This is surrounding the story of King David before he was made king. Um, and Saul, the current king. And it says this, Now when he had finished speaking to Saul, that the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul, Saul, King Saul, took him that day and would not let David go back to his father's house anymore. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant. Say covenant. Because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan took off his robe and on him that was on him and gave it to David with his armor, even his sword and his bow and his belt. And so David went wherever Saul sent him and behaved wisely. This is a key. Say, that's a key. He behaved wisely. Then Saul set him over the men of war as he was accustomed, excuse me, as he was accepted in the sight of of all the people and in the, Saul, in the sight of Saul's servants. Now it happened as they were coming home when David was returning from the slaughter of the Philistines that the women came out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet Saul with tambourines, with joy, and with musical instruments so that the women sang as they danced and said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. And then Saul was very angry. Everybody say he was jealous. And this saying displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed to David's ten thousands and to me, they have ascribed only thousands. Now what more can he have but the kingdom? See, when it's your kingdom, you have to worry about it. When it's God's kingdom, you don't have to worry about it. So Saul eyed David from that day forward and he And as it happened the next day that the distressing spirit of God came upon Saul and he prophesied inside the house. And and this next verse is really what I want to draw and underline on and highlight. It says, so that David, so David played music in his hand. Everybody say he was playing a harp. As at other times, but there was a spear in Saul's hand and Saul cast the spear For he said, I will pin David to the wall. And David escaped his presence twice. Now Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with David. But it had departed from Saul. You may have your seats. Last week, I had ministered a message Who was not here last week? Not here. Okay, wonderful. Just a few. I do encourage you to go back and listen to the last message. It will make a whole lot more sense. This particular message will make a whole lot more sense if you you go back and read it. How many were blessed by last week, by the way? It's a bit eye-opening, right? And I want to just give a little bit of background on what I preached on and why I preached on it. Um, There's many people that are sitting in this room that love Jesus. As I look out over your faces, most people that I see in this room really love Jesus. 
How many love Jesus? Yeah, amen. What I'm finding out in the body of Christ is people's breakthrough is not a result of the absence of their love for God. It, it is a lack of certain keys that we do not have or haven't been given. My old pastor used to say this scripture all the time, almost in every single one of his uh, sermons. He would say, my people are destroyed for lack of... You could also kind of... We don't want to change the scriptures, but knowledge is a key in God's kingdom. Say it's a key. Yeah, it's a key in God's kingdom. So last week, the, 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 the main scripture reference that I use is when Jesus was coming off of a mountain. It was called the Mount of Transfiguration. He comes down, and the disciples are at the bottom of this mountain trying to cast out a demon. Now, this is after Jesus had appointed the 70, I believe. And to be clear, he empowers them and says, Behold, I've given you power and authority over what? All the power of the enemy. Say all. So he didn't limit them and say, hey, there's some demons you're not going to be able to cast out. He didn't say any of that. He gave them power to cast out devils. He gave them power to heal the sick by the anointing of the Spirit. It wasn't them. Amen? Amen. But the disciples are having a dispute with some of the scribes and the Pharisees. And the disciples are frustrated. Uh, namely, uh, it wasn't Peter. Peter was up on the mountain. Peter, James, and John. It was some of the others. And they're frustrated saying this to the scribes. Um, trying to explain, I guess, why they can't cast out the demon. They, so they talk to Jesus in private, in a house, and they say, why weren't we able to cast this demon out? Say, why? why? Well, the message was actually entitled, Why Is This Not Working? Last week. And because many of us in our Christian walk, we're not lacking the presence of God. We're not lacking Bible reading. We're not even lacking maybe in our prayer life. But there, and, and, and that's not the issue. Jesus said this, there is, he used this phraseology. He said, this kind cannot come out unless there is, come on, prayer and fasting. So in God's kingdom, when you are lacking breakthrough or lacking progression in certain areas, it's not because God's not alive and on the throne. It's, that's not the reason. There are many situations that we deal with, many hindrances we deal with. It's not lacking the love of Jesus. That's not the issue. Say, say, that's not the problem. So in many cases, the anointing is not the issue. God's love for you and your love for God is not the issue. It's not because you haven't been going to church. The fact is, is there are many situations we're dealing with where doors are not being unlocked due to a lack of keys. Did you hear what I said? I gave you guys some examples about examples when the Lord had used me and some, even some of my contemporaries to cast out demons, and I've ran across situations where they wouldn't be cast out because there were certain keys. Can I, can I have those keys back this morning? Do you have those keys? She didn't know. I was, she has a really big key on her keychain. She's got a set of keys that will like, you can't go swimming with them because you will not come back out of the water. Like you sink to the bottom. Can you grab those, Matthew? So it's, so it's not that we lack anointing. It's not that we lack even wisdom in some areas. But many times the lack of our breakthrough is a lack of a certain set of, come on, say it loud, a certain set of keys. Somebody say, why is this not working? Oftentimes there are certain spiritual principles that we have to, uh, to gain, certain wisdom keys I've given you a few of them. Last week, we talked about one of the main keys. I had to start off by laying the groundwork by saying, Jesus is the door 
into his kingdom. But inside God's kingdom, there are many other doors. Jesus is the main door. Let me say it like this. Jesus is the main door into the kingdom, but there are other rooms that you need certain keys if you're going to get access. There are keys in, in when, as it relates to finances, financial breakthrough. I know y'all aren't going to shout me down because I'm the pastor. I'm not able to talk about money. If somebody is oppressed with certain demons, you can, sometimes you don't just say, hey, everything goes in Jesus' name and throw a blanket over it. Sometimes there's prayer and fasting or those demons will not obey you if you're not walking in authority. Come on, somebody say amen to that. Amen. There are certain keys that God wants to give us all in order to receive breakthrough, in order to receive or in order to move forward in God's kingdom and to be effective. Have you ever seen people who've been saved for 30 years and they say they love Jesus, but there is absolutely no breakthrough in their life? They're not walking in the power of God. It's not a knock. It's not, it's not that we are uh, discounting them or discrediting them. It's all a matter of gaining certain keys if we're going to pro pro progress forward in the kingdom of God. Amen? So now we're coming to the story of, of David and he too has certain keys I feel that we can learn from. By the way, one of the other keys, one of the other main keys is intimacy with the Holy Spirit, right? Prayer and fasting wasn't, they weren't able to, it's not that they weren't able to cast that demon out because Jesus said, hey, you need to go fast a meal and you'll be able to cast out a devil. Prayer and fasting, see, I told somebody the other day, they were asking me, I think it was Friday, like, what does prayer and fasting look like for you? I said, first of all, I don't fast when I have a really busy day because it's easy for me not to eat because it's, it's not about missing a meal, it's about, it's about constant, it's saying, fasting really is where I'm taking this time, whether it's lunchtime or whatever, and instead of going to Chick-fil-A, I'm going to sit before the Lord. So that kind of intimacy gives you power, gives you a key to walk in God's power, walk in his anointing, okay? So it's not just getting rid of a meal, it's more of a lifestyle of resisting the flesh so that you can walk in the spirit, Amen? So that's a key. But when I think about David, he's got other keys here that I think that are gonna help us to progress forward in our lives and meet some of the resistances with power, okay? Are you guys ready for it? Yes. So, but as I think about David, he's, for me, is one of my, my favorite people in the Bible. I think he lived an exemplary life. I think he was an extraordinary man, not just because he was a king for almost 40 years, but just everything that he accomplished, he was able to walk in his king. He was one of the only people in the Bible who walked both in the kingship and his priestly role. Does that make sense? He was both king and priest. There was no other person in the Bible that I see, unless some of my little theologians out there correct me after service. Only Jesus was that one. He was both king and priest. I'm talking about human, a human being that exemplified that was, was David. And most of us would consider him admirable because he, was, he had incredible triumph over Goliath. He killed a nine-foot giant, a Philistine called Goliath. Say Goliath. Some may admire him because of his militant strength. We know that he was a lover and a fighter, right? He was able to conquer lots of armies. The Bible just depicted that he slayed tens of thousands of people, more than the king. So he was a fighter. Amen. But he also maintained a deep love and affection for God. Usually in one person, you have one or the other. You're either usually a lover or a fighter. I don't know about you, but I want to be a lover and a fighter. This is why the Bible calls David. Actually, the Bible doesn't call him. God calls him a man after his own heart. 
So he's able to fulfill his calling as a king and also fulfill his role as a priest in his love and devotion to God. And so all these are great qualities, certainly noteworthy. They're uh, admirable, but these are not the qualities about David that stood out to me. How many are ready for some keys? Some keys in his lifestyle. For, For me, he had this innate ability to remain honorable to someone who is very dishonorable to him. This is the key in God's kingdom. I met with my, our team, Ascension's team on Friday night, and this was one of the, I guess I'll share it with you. I, before someone's, uh, we initiate somebody in leadership, there's a book that I'm requesting that they read, and it's by John Bevere, and it's called Honor's Reward. Say Honor's Reward. If you have never read this book, it's an absolute must if you're going to serve in God's kingdom. And not only that, but if you're going to be effective, an effective Christian or an effective believer. Can I share a personal experience with you? I served alongside a person that as I served alongside of them, it was another minister. He was senior to me in the Lord. For some of you, you may not be able to guess him because there's been a couple of them. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, that did something that I felt was very dishonorable. And they lied to me like outright lying, and they were an example to me. And I confronted them about the lie. And they finally admitted to the lie. And it was a really blatant lie. Now, in my mind, I discredited him. And I thought I was justified in saying, you know, this person lied to me. They're no longer worthy to lead me. I know that none of you have ever done that. You all have halos over your head. But I discredited him while sitting on the front row of the church. But you know what began to happen? Because every Sunday I would be experiencing the presence of God, but as soon as I discredited this individual and began to dishonor him, not with my mouth, but in my heart, all those keys to God's presence, all, every time I would come into the church, spiritual doors would be locked for me. Does everybody hear what I'm saying? And, and honor, say honor. Honor is a key in God's kingdom to unlock breakthrough. If, if, listen, if you're in this room and you see us going for an hour and it's like sandpaper to you and it's very difficult for you to stand that long, I'm not saying the issue is with you, but there, there could be things in your life that you haven't uh, asked forgiveness from the Lord for or certain doors that you haven't closed that would hinder you and cut you off from the presence of the Lord. Because forgiveness is a key, honor is a key, to unlock certain doors so that God can release his power and his presence and his breakthrough in your life. Is anybody getting one or two things out of this? So I would sit on the front row and I could not get it. I said, Lord, I'm justified in this. This person lied to me. And I would get around a pastor friend of mine and I didn't really realize I was spiritually vomiting when I got around him. I know you guys don't spiritually vomit. Like when you get around certain people, you tell them all your problems. You know, I didn't, that's, we call that spiritual vomiting. What is it called, Rick? catharsis. That's when you spiritually vomit and you start, you know, when you're hurt and you think nobody knows about it, but every time you talk about it, it just comes out. This, my friend was loving. He never called me critical. He never called me bitter. He hands me honor's reward. And I read that book and I got saved all over again. And I was doing ministry at the time. But, I, but I, I was starting to be cut off from the grace of God in so many different ways because of how I spoke about another man of God. And this is what you have to be careful of, is, is David remained honorable towards somebody who was dishonorable 
This was a key in God's kingdom. Let me ask you this. When a spouse is treating you wrongly or a person at work is treating you harshly, when, when, you, when you do that, has being mean to them or being dishonorable towards them ever unlocked peace in that situation? No, because there's certain keys God needs us to use. Jesus exemplified this perfectly. It says that those who reviled him, he did not revile in return. In other words, people who dishonored him, he still would not dishonor him because he understood the keys of honor. He understood he, understood he would be cut off from the grace, the manifold grace of God, the peace and presence of God, if he were to become dishonorable towards people. So today, I, I want to minister from a subject, and, and I felt it was appropriate because of what this weekend falls on. I want to minister this subject entitled, it's a key, okay? It's called, choose the harp, not the spear. Choose the harp, not the spear. And if you look at David's life and why he was promoted over and over and over again from shepherd boy to becoming Jonathan's right hand to becoming the king because he honored the Lord. And if you look at a harp, you almost want to almost turn it into a key because, because honor, say honor's a key, honor's a key. That harp represents something. Do you know what that harp represents? Yeah, that's exactly what it represents. It, re it represents worship because God didn't call him until he became a real worshiper of God. And that would unlock certain doors of favor. And David had this revelation that worship, and this is for us, many times God will unlock certain opportunities because our worship filled life towards him. But as soon as you start becoming dishonorable in certain areas, it will lock other doors that lead to greater breakthrough. I, I, an old pastor said it like this. He said, don't allow your giftings to bring you where your character can't keep you. In other words, sometimes we're frustrated. Why, God, why did you open this door? And the next door that you know leads to the breakthrough that you're trying to go through, you're like, why is this door locked? You open this door for me. Does anybody know what I'm saying? Like, I, I came through this door. Why am I now hitting a wall? I want to suggest to you that you evaluate your life and, and, and inspect your life. The Apostle Paul said it like this. Examine yourself to see whether or not you're in the faith. In other words, evaluate your life to see if you're the one who's keeping the door shut. Oh, I know. Look, people are looking straight ahead at the screen now. They don't want to look me in the eye when I just looked at them. Because, because truth be told that many of the doors that we're experiencing that are locked in our life are not due to God's lack of love for you because he loves you. Any good father, it is his will to give us good what? Gifts. He wants us to walk in breakthrough. He walk, wants us to walk in his power. But oftentimes he can't trust us with certain levels of anointing because we have misused certain keys. Say amen. amen. So today is entitled, Choose the Harp, Not the Spear. This is the series of keys of the kingdom. How many want keys of the kingdom? It doesn't matter who you are or what you do in life. If you don't need this message today, I want to I challenge you to tuck this in your back pocket because you're probably going to need it a month or two or even a few years from now. If someone hasn't attempted to make you bitter or you're not walking in unforgiveness now, I want to challenge you that Satan will see to it that people offend you and try to hurt you and try to get you. This is one of his main methodologies. Do you know why? Because he can't stop God from loving you. He cannot stop the love of God. How broad, how wide, how deep is the love of God? It surpasses knowledge, but he can keep you from walking in God's blessings. 
by using your heart, your mind, your will, and your emotions. You understand? To not walk through certain doors. Yeah. Yeah, this is going to be good today. It's going to be good today. Say, look at somebody and say that. Say, today's going to be good. Yeah, because you, you know where this is coming from? This comes from a pastor who is tired of seeing the people of God not walk in the breakthrough and walk in the anointing and walk in the calling in which they are called to. And I'm tired of hearing people say, this is, uh, God doesn't love me. He doesn't care about me. But the truth be told that God has, come on, things that you can't even fathom. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard the things that God has prepared for those who love him. God has things prepared for you. Did you know that? Even this morning, there are certain doors that you know in your heart. This is where frustration and this is where lack of peace comes from because you know you're supposed to be walking through certain doors, but you're not experiencing those open doors. Come on, am I right? Is the pastor right this morning? You, you, you keep hitting a certain wall. Well, God wants to hand you some keys this morning so that you can unlock certain doors so that you might walk in the fullness of who he is. So no matter if you're a stay-at-home mom, feel like you're going crazy on your kids, come on, you're gonna need these keys because sometimes your key is not you know, acting out in frustration towards your kids. Come on, saying certain things that you shouldn't say. Come on, not going certain places emotionally where you're gonna regret certain things. Or if you're an employee or an employer, you're gonna need this because every one of us will work and walk with difficult people in our lives. Say amen. amen. If you're an extremely nice person, eventually you will meet somebody who does not like your niceness. And you're going to need these keys. Say amen. amen. Every believer, say every believer. Every. Say that means me. Every believer gets a promotion in God's kingdom or potentially gets promoted in his kingdom. Will be tested under intense pressure to see if they will be faithful with the keys God's going to give them. We don't, we don't talk about this. And, and I want, I'll read a scripture for you in just a moment. But most people don't realize that God closely evaluates them. This is going to create a little bit of pressure. God closely evaluates our life. His eyes seek to and fro, looking for hearts that are truly his. Isn't that what the Bible says? Second Chronicles Chapter 16, verse 19, I'll quote it. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on the behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. Why? He looks for loyal people to promote in his kingdom. So he looks at how you use the keys in the last season before he opens doors to, come on, advancement in the next season. Say, I want to be faithful with the keys you have given me. Any good parent understands this. Can I have a heart-to-heart -heart really quick? Any good parent, how many are parents in the room? Any good parent understands this. And those of you who are not parents, and you will be, you're going to need this key. Because I, I remember, I remember my, my son, um, he wanted to drive my truck in the neighborhood. And so yesterday, we, you know, we got a little go-kart, so I let him drive the go-kart. Not because I don't want him to enjoy, because one day he will enjoy a bigger vehicle. But I need to see how he does with that little key before I entrust him with bigger keys. Do you understand? And most people are trying to start off with the big key when they haven't been faithful with the little keys God has given them. What makes you think that God's going to entrust you in ministry or a pastoral role or some type of full-time ministry role if you can't show up early to serve on Sunday morning? 
or if you can't, come on, let me not make it pastoral. If you, if you, I love this about Joel. I'm going to put Joel on blast right now, my friend Joel. He, he works for our, our, our other company, and he sends me his time. She, he's the only one who does this. If he's worked, uh, you know, some guys will just, they, they, they what, what's the word when they, um, they round up? You guys are prophetic. Look at y'all. They didn't know exactly what I was, because they do it. Look. They do it. I'll have a prayer line just for you, just right at the end, right there. So, so Joel, when he sends me his hours weekly, what he does is if he, if he hasn't worked 40 hours, even if it's, he'll put 39.15. This is what he does every week. 39.78. I mean, down to the number. And, and listen, this, this, God observes that. Let me just tell you. See, we don't call it lying. We just call it rounding up. But I have watched God entrust him with more and more. See, I didn't, I mentioned this at the leaders meeting on Friday. I said, at first, when I first met Joel first day, he came to the church, he beelines right up the middle aisle. And I was scared. When somebody beelines you, you just, if you're a pastor, you understand what I'm saying. You get a little nervous, you know, what, what's, what's going to happen? And the first thing that came out of his mouth, he said, first Sunday, he says, I want to start a, um, a karate ministry. So, oh, Lord Jesus, he's one of them. He wants to start a karate ministry. But for three and a half years, he has stood behind that computer, faithful. He opens up the church doors every single Sunday. I couldn't tell you one day he hasn't been here. But he's been faithful with these little keys. I wouldn't care these days if he wanted to start a ballerina ministry here. He's able because he's been faithful with the little. Amen. God observes that when we're faithful with the little keys. Say, I want to be faithful with little keys. And here's what was unfortunate for Saul. I'm going to get somewhere in just a moment. Unfortunately, see that spear that's in his hand? Now, there is a time where that spear can be a key. But unfortunately, some people use this spear for a key. But, but swords and spears don't work in God's kingdom unless they're used. Excuse me. Swords are not uh, used for keys in God's kingdom unless it's being used only on the enemy. Did you hear what I said? Swords and spears do not work in God's kingdom unless it's only being used on the enemy. There's some doors that are locked in our lives because we're using the spear on the wrong things. We're using it like a key. Spears speak of being aggressive and trying to push our way through certain things. And unfortunately, what I've seen a lot on social media the past even couple uh, days, this is, this is what didn't inspire this sermon but unfortunately, the body of Christ uses spears on each other, and we wonder why there's no advance in our lives. Yeah, yeah. Because we're, 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 we're thinking that by identifying and trying to disqualify somebody or speak ill of them with the spear, that God's going to validate us because we're right. Listen, you can do right and get wrong. You can, say what's, you can say what's a fact, but God oftentimes... And I'm going to use it. I'm, 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 going to, I'm going to bring you down. I'll bring you up at the end, okay? But, but this is what was Paul's, uh, excuse me, Saul's devotion in the kingdom is when he used the spear in the wrong way. I don't care if somebody truly wrongs you, never make that public knowledge. Look how David responded. He threw a spear at him, was trying to kill David, but David remained wise. What did he do? He would come back. It's like he never learned the lesson. He saw this is Saul Saul's. <laughs> I was trying to figure out how to clean that up. He saw 
S-A-W, Saul's S-A-U-L. He saw him distressed and he would keep coming back after he would get this spear thrown at him. And what would he do? He would play the harp because David had a key. He had a key. He said, worship is the key. The spear is not. And listen, it wasn't that, that Saul was, he, he does, God, God promoted him in the beginning because he was a warrior. And there were certain doors that he could lock, unlock with that spear. But when he started using it on the wrong people, on God's people, it became his demise. Do you hear what I'm saying? So what's a key in one area? Or excuse me, yeah, if the, if the spirit is a key in one area, it's not universal. It doesn't work on everything. Do, do, you hear, do you hear what I'm saying? We can use it on the enemy. I love what Smith Wigglesworth said, and I, I quote this often. People would ask him, why do you hit people and punch people and but nobody would ever get hurt. They would have cancer and he'd hit them in the stomach and people would say, you know, you're gonna go to jail for that. Why do you hit people? He said, I don't hit people. He said, I swing at them and the devil gets in the way. It's pretty funny. People would get arrested if they acted like that these days. But you have to know what to use the spear on and what to not use the spear on. Never use it on a boss, even though they're wrong. Never use it on another minister, even if they are wrong. Come on, say amen. amen. Never use it because God watches. God watches whether or not we're faithful with keys to see if we're ready to be promoted with larger keys. Amen? So I want to read this to you. Psalms 95, or excuse me, 98 verse 5. Sing to the Lord with the harp. Say the harp. With the harp and make the sound of a psalm. This is more than likely born around the time that David was hiding out. David, do you think David could have killed Saul? He had many opportunities to kill him. But David wasn't using a spear. He was using a harp. Because harp gives you access to God's heart. And when you get access to God's heart, God will withhold no good thing from you. Listen, when God says something like, I have found a man or a woman after my own heart. God will not withhold anything, no blessing, no promotion, no healing from us. It gives us access into God's kingdom. We can be trusted. Much of the body of Christ, I know this to be a fact, I would say 100% of God's people are loved by God, but not all are trusted by him. How many want to earn God's trust? We earn trust by the way that we handle spears and harps. Look at somebody and say, choose the harp. Look at somebody else and say, choose the harp. All right, if we're going to choose the harp, here's what I need you to do. I'm going to give you a first point. Are you ready? Avoid the spear. Avoid spears. Okay. David could have took that spear out of the wall and turned it on Saul. Unfortunately, that's what we do on uh, in the body of Christ. If somebody, if somebody says something that you don't like on Facebook, do you throw the spear back? This is a technique we use, we preachers use, like we get quiet just for a minute so it sinks in. Because when, when, we, when we, sometimes we, we, we revenge, we, we, we throw things back to justify ourselves, not really realizing by throwing the spear back, you just cause a spear to go into your own soul. Amen? And listen to this, in spite of the onslaught, David never responded with revenge. He did not come out of character. 
You can't allow what people throw at you because the devil will see to it. And you know what the devil is trying to do? The enemy is trying to do? He's trying to get you to respond out of rejection and hurt. So you spew, spew words out of your mouth that cause demotion in the spirit for your life. I knew it was going to be a tough one today. How many want to move forward though? Yeah. Amen. It takes real maturity to recognize that the spears from people that they throw your way come from a broken place in their own heart. That takes real maturity. Do you hear what I say? You, you can't look at the person. You have to look at the, the toxicity that's coming out and, and separate that from a person. Do you think that anybody in their right mind would say certain things to you the way that they have, done certain things to you that you went through as a kid, done certain things to you in ministry in their right mind? No, you have to separate the toxicity from the person and don't allow how toxic they are cause you to speak ill of them and throw spears at them. Do you hear what I'm saying? Separate the two. Say separate the two. So don't allow the external things that people throw at you, namely spears, words, rejection, backbiting. Don't allow it to affect who you are on the inside. Allow Christ who's on the inside to affect things externally. Did you hear what I said? If Christ truly rules and reigns in our hearts, which he does, when people hurt you, throw spears at you, allow what's in you. Come on, the harp in you, the, the worship-filled life in you to affect the other person in the positive. I know we think that negative versus negative creates positive, but it doesn't. It just creates more dysfunction. Amen? Number two, develop a soft heart but thick skin. If you Listen, if you're in ministry, you have to understand this key. If you desire to do any kind of work for the Lord or lead people, you have to develop a soft heart but thick skin. Do you understand when I say that? Do you know how many opportunities, how many promises have been made to me? As a pastor, a business owner, all those things, I'm gonna do this, pastor. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring your business to the next level, not the business of the church, outside of the church. I'm gonna do this. You have, to, you have to develop a big heart and keep your love for people while at the same time when they hurt you, you, you have thick skin. It doesn't bother you. Amen? I love this scripture, and most of you know it in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. Do you know the Bible says never protect your physical self? It always talks about protecting the heart. Say, Lord, help me protect my heart. What is it saying? Because you cannot, you cannot control what happens externally. You have no control of that. And most people don't realize that the only thing that you do have control of is how your heart feels about the situation. You're like, I can't control that. Yes, you can, because you can transform your mind about how you think and observe that situation, how you reason with that situation. Amen. Instead of looking at, oh, everybody hates me, just see yourself as being persecuted for the Lord, and you have great reward. Change the way that you think about it. Instead of looking at your boss as being controlling, look at it as, well, maybe it's the Lord using that tough boss to help increase your spirit of excellence on that job. See, you, you see the thinking begins to change? Instead of looking at your hardship and be like, Lord, why am I stuck in this valley? Say, Lord, I, I see you as putting me in this valley to develop Christ-like character in me so I can handle what you have for me later on. Because if you don't go through the valley, 
you, you, you will not be able to contain what God has, right? Because what he has that you cannot contain comes with pressure. It comes with people. It comes with difficulty, hardship, and pain. So God uses valleys to develop us. Amen? And if we're going to be ready for what's ahead, we have to allow, come on, we have to allow the processes to take place. See, everybody wants promises with no process these days. You know how many people have come up to me, they're ready to run the children's ministries first day they come. I had a guy the other day came work for us. He was months ago. I told you about this, and I should have known when he told me this. He said, the Lord gave me a dream. I'm here to come bring your company to the next level. Oh, my gosh. For the next three months, it was absolute chaos. Humility is a key. See, in a business owner's mind, they're like, oh, yes, I finally have somebody who's qualified. Man, they have an incredible resume. This is going to be awesome. They're going to bring me to the next level. Well, they certainly did. They brought me down to the next level underneath the level that we were on. All the guys were arguing with one another, bickering, all kinds of backbiting. Everybody's frustrated. He's changing policies and procedures. And this is the key. Don't promote people too early. And listen, here's another one. If you don't have anybody to promote, do not promote your own self too early. Because sometimes we don't realize that we're not ready. Amen? Somebody say, wait on the Lord. Say, process me, Lord. Listen what John chapter 14. Is anybody getting anything out of this? John chapter 14, verse 30. Jesus says this. I will no longer talk much more with you for the ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing in me. You know what I got out of that? Jesus wasn't moved by external things. He wasn't moved by the spear. If something moves you in your life, it's a sign that you're not dead enough. I don't mean physically. Don't get weird on me for those of you who are watching online. I'm talking figuratively. If when you get triggered, it just triggers you to talk about people and you call three different friends to vent to them, trying to get them and recruit them on your side, it's a sign that you're not ready for certain promotions. If you're a worshiper and you're talking about other worship team leaders, if you're a business owner and you're talking about your employees, all it does is in the attempt to discredit somebody else, you end up discrediting yourself. When somebody comes up, I've had pastors come up to me and talk to me about other pastors. They didn't realize it, but I, I thought to myself, I would never call you when I need something. I would never call and vent to you about anything because everybody in Lottie Dottie is going to hear about it. You don't even realize it, but you've just disqualified yourself on being a best friend. See, you don't want to say nothing in the church. You understand exactly what I'm talking about? So, so just so you know, if you come to me and you start, unless you're needing counsel and nobody else knows about it and you're only, only your best friend knows about it, I don't want to hear about it. Find some trusted people, but most people think everybody is trusted enough to share their business, not really realizing that not, not only are you not going to get a key, but doors will remain locked. There's people who have come and wanted to preach here and then they've talked about somebody else and I won't let them preach. Oh, see, Yeah. We vet them a little bit. I just, you know, I just keep my ears open. We don't realize that we are snared by the words of our mouth. What does that mean? DSV version. We lock certain doors based on how we speak about people. We are snared by the words of our mouth. In other words, in our attempt, say in our attempt to disqualify people, we can disqualify ourselves. Yeah. 
he says, I'll no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing in me. I don't know about you and I'm not there yet because people still do bother me. Even though I bite my lip, I'm better at it now than I used to be. Look at somebody and say, I'm better now. But we, I want to come to a place, we should want to come to a place where when the enemy comes with, with things in our heart that he has nothing in us, when we are tempted to say things we shouldn't say or behave in a way that we shouldn't behave or react in certain ways we, we, we know we shouldn't react, we, we should come to a place where he has nothing in us. We are unmovable in God's kingdom. When you're unmovable externally, God will trust you with He'll trust you with so much eternally and internally. Amen? He wants to share the secrets of his heart with us. Listen, Lord, help me. I say this sometimes, but some of you probably won't come back anyway, so I'm going to say it anyway. You will? Okay, good. My family um, came from, I used to pick on my mother. She's looking at me right now like, y'all just watch me after service, okay? If she starts beelining this way, ushers, usher me out that way. Her, last, her maiden last name is Arsenault, Arsenault. And uh, we used to pick on them because AOL, is that still a thing? Is that, who has AOL? Don't raise your hand. If you're over 60, you probably use AOL. Some of the young people are like, what's AOL. It's a Gmail, Yahoo, nobody uses that. Some of my clients do. You still use AOL, believe it or not, but they're usually 60s and 70s. And uh, we used to pick on them because my mom has seven sisters, no brothers. And when, you, when all the sisters got around, they, they talk, you know, they talk. <laughs> all the Spanish families say amen. amen. Well, my mother, like we're like Spanish, but we're Caucasian, you know. They would just talk. And it, it, it's, so, it's so funny because we would say, uh, when we'd get in crowd, you know, get around the family, there'd be about 30 or 40 of them. We would, when they would start talking, we would say AOL, Arsenal's online. You know, it's like, you know, they just, we would pick on them. They would get mad at us. But here, here's, here, here's the point, is that, is that when, when we, when God, God wants to share the secrets of his hearts with people. So, and I came from a family who talked maybe a little bit too much. Sorry, mom. I developed those same tendencies as a young man. And I would always ask the Lord, why aren't you speaking to me? Why aren't you speaking to me? And then if I would share somebody's information, the Holy Spirit started saying this to me. Are you ready? Why would he share his heart with you or his secrets with you when you reveal secrets of other people? He only... God is holy. He's holy. He doesn't share his secrets. He doesn't share his keys with people who cannot be trusted with him. We cannot think he's going to entrust us with keys of the kingdom when we're not faithful with the keys he's given us or other people's information that we know about. Is that too holy for you? That's about as holy as my genes I just shared. How many want to be trusted in the kingdom? I encourage you all, evaluate yourself on how you speak of others. Because sometimes in our attempt to disqualify another, we disqualify ourselves. Number three, I'll be done in just a moment, okay? Forgive quickly. This is a key. 
David would come to Saul over and over again, playing his harp, having the spear thrown at him over and over, as if it never happened. See, when people wound us in ministry, you know what our first thing is to do, especially Christians, I'm cutting them off. If you've been in church for a long time. If you're kind of new to it, you give people a chance for a while. Unfortunately, as we grow, we learn the wrong dispositions. We get hardened, and we become shorter and give people less and less chances. I'm going to read a verse to you. Matthew chapter 18. That's for you ministers out there. Matthew chapter 18, verse 3. Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted. Unfortunately, many of us converts need to be converted and become as little children. And if you don't, you will by no means enter into the kingdom of God. I think about my daughter Zoe because she hangs out with her little friend Kaylani. They're only three. I mean, they're going at it all the time. And they're mad at each other. She took my toy. I'm so upset at you. We're not friends. And then I come to the next service and they're like the best of friends. It never, it never happened. I'm like, honey, do you remember what you just said? Kaylani, you guys just had a blowout. It was like a volcano explosion. They're both on the floor rolling around, spitting, kicking, crying. And then they're just the best of friends. We need to become like that in the body of Christ again. We need to give people grace. We need to give people, I'm not saying share your business with everybody, but, but put your heart out there again. Some of you just need to be childlike again and forgive again because sometimes when we use that spear, we are cutting off areas in our own heart that don't just block people from coming in. It blocks God from coming in. Okay, so let me, let me put, you're like, yeah, I trust God, but I don't trust people. How can you love your, <laughs> that's true, I've used that. How can you love God who you cannot see when you don't love your brother who you can see? Come on, am I preaching the Bible right now? So how you treat others is a reflection of how you feel about God. I love this scripture. Those who use the harp. Okay, it doesn't say that. The pure in heart shall see God. We don't, listen, Yes, we don't forgive people because they deserve it. We forgive so we can see again. And so we can receive again. And so we can make access. Say access. Did you hear what I said? Do you know what I mean by see again? It sounds a little weird. Because when we don't forgive, and what happens with unforgiveness is it starts with one person. I don't forgive them. And then you can't see the good in them. But as that becomes habitual and Satan sees to it that that bitter root judgment that you have in people, it begins to spread into every area of your relationships. And what happens is you can no longer see the good in people. And when you can no longer see the good in people, you don't, it's not that you don't see people anymore. It eventually causes you to not be able to see God. Because all of us are some of him and none of us are all of him. I contribute that quote to Isaac Petrie. None of us are all of him, but all of us are some of him. So if some of him is in every single person, yet when you see a person and all you see is their defects, you cannot see. Amen. You cannot see God in them. And guess what? When you cannot see God, you, you will not be able to see the keys because God may use that person that you're not forgiven and that you're bitter at. And as a matter of fact, he may be using that 
person that you're bitter at and talking bad about. He's trying to work that bitterness out of you. He's trying to work that unforgiveness out of you. Not because he's trying to just humble you. Maybe he's trying to humble you. But even more than that, he's trying to give you keys to the next season of your life. Look at somebody and say, I don't know about you, but I want to grow. Yeah, the pure in heart shall see God. Number four, you can stand to your feet. We'll be doing some ministry time here at the end. We'll be lingering a little bit, but I want to just drop this last point on you before we move on, and it's this. Both both of these guys are expending energy. It takes, where are the instrumentalists in the room? Everybody, instrumental, a few of you. Many of you play instruments in here. Guitar, my friend on the keyboard. It's exhausting from what I know. I don't, I don't, I don't play the keys but, or guitars. But it's, it's, you have to redirect your energy because what happens is when you're unforgiving, it saps you of all of that power. It saps you of energy. Let me ask you this. When I'm talking about this, I want you to get a picture of a person that you feel really negative towards right now. It could be a spouse. It could be a friend. It could be that person you're having Facebook wars with. I don't know. Do they have Instagram wars too? That does. I don't know. I don't even know how to. I don't have an Instagram. But I want, you to, I want you to evaluate in a day's time how much you think about that. And I want you to measure it. I want, who knows what scales are? Do they even use scales anymore? Scales are, uh, you weigh things, scales. How much power and energy are you putting towards that? And watch this, time. I really used to struggle with negative thoughts. And I could go all day just thinking on one negative thought. I would get a lot of work done because I'm angry about a certain thing or a certain somebody, but it would consume my thoughts. Has that ever happened to anybody? Like a negative thought and it's just, it will not stop, it will not stop? Imagine how much good energy and time you could be putting in your relationship with God. Redirect your energy. Do you know if, if, if Saul, can you put that image back up on the screen? God would have kept Saul in his kingly position if he would have, he didn't need to become necessarily a better man. He just needed to to start using the heart versus the spear. And many people would, would, would hasten their destiny if they would just change the weapons they're using. You know, you know why many of you, forgive me, Many of you do not get promoted in what, many different capacities. It's not because you're a bad person. It's not even because you are making terrible choices. It's definitely not because God doesn't love you. It's because you're using the spear when you should be using the harp. And most people, because we use the scripture, the kingdom of God suffereth violence and the violent take it by. Many of you try to take your position in God's kingdom with the spear, not really realizing that, that that spear is not a key, the harp is. What does this harp speak of? Worship, patience. You don't have to put, listen, you don't have to promote yourself. 
God. Promotion doesn't come neither from the east nor the west. Promotion comes from the Lord. So stop fighting with the spear, trying to promote yourself. I remember I was trying to get baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit and God would not touch me for nothing. And my mind was blind. I said, I forgave everybody. I done, did everything I needed to do. I went to, I went to a retreat and this gentleman said to me something about unforgiveness and it triggered something in my heart. And the guy who had murdered my dad never, never has been any justice for it till this day. I remember I pulled up in a, um, this is back when I used to drive the Cadillac, Gene. Gene was my best man at my wedding, so I've known Gene for 20 years. He's visiting from, from Colorado. You didn't know, but when I had visited that guy, I don't know if you remember, I had this old Cadillac. I wish I could put it up on the screen, a white Cadillac with white leather seats. I was hood <laughs> with one gold tooth doorknob. I did. I had, a, I had a pistol underneath the front seat. I wasn't a heathen. I was saved. But I could not get the infilling of the Holy Spirit. God wouldn't, wouldn't touch me. Is it because God didn't have a key? No. I was lacking a key. A key called forgiveness. And I felt the Holy Spirit say to me as I was getting out of that car, the guy, gentleman called me. He was in a hospital. He said, I have more. I have information about your dad. He wanted to tell me others that were involved. The guy who murdered my father. I had something to do with the conspiracy of it. Saved, sanctified, and all of that, but not filled with the Spirit. I reach under the front of the seat. And I grab the handle of that pistol. And I felt the Lord really speak to me for the first time. He said, everything that you've been wanting from me. You've wanted me to fill you. You've wanted me to use you. If you do not forgive, this unforgiveness is going to kill you and stop you from the calling that I have for your life. I went upstairs. I didn't feel it. Just because it doesn't feel like a key doesn't mean it's not a key. I used forgiveness, and I led that man into salvation. He accepted Jesus Christ in the hospital. Halfway on his deathbed, he accepted Jesus Christ. It wasn't a week later. Remember when that gentleman came up to me in a service when we were at that retreat 15 years ago? I remember he gave me all that money and I gave you half of it because I thought it was cursed. Remember? He said he did. I thought it was cursed. I said, you take half of it, we'll both be cursed. You didn't know that. That's what I was thinking. This had to be more than 50. I was probably 17. That day I got filled with baptized and filled with the Holy Remember when I, when I went home and I told you I had an encounter with the Lord after that weekend I got filled with the Holy Spirit? It was because I forgave that gentleman. That's when Pastor Guy wanted me to, I'm having a moment with my friend. I don't get to see him much. Redirect your energy. Unforgiveness will lock doors. Forgiveness opens them. It's a key. Say it's a key. I want to read this last scripture. I promise you I'm done. But Jesus said to him, this is Matthew chapter 26, verse 50 through 53. But Jesus said to him, friend, why have you come? He's in the garden of Gethsemane. The troops are coming to take Jesus away, to bring him to the praetorium, to eventually crucify him. Then they came to him and laid hands on him, and Jesus took him. And suddenly, one of those who were with Jesus, it was Peter. Say Peter. He stretched out his hand and drew his sword. 
struck the servant of the high priest. His name was Malachus, I believe, and cut off his ear. But Jesus said, put your sword in its place. Put your sword in its place. See, Peter was using a sword like it was a key. He was going to try to keep Jesus. You see, he was using it in the wrong way. His key would have been peace. He didn't really realize how to operate. You understand how to decipher the usefulness of certain keys. Many of us think fighting is going to get us the breakthrough, but it's not the key. Many think of us, many think the anger is going to do it. Pushing through, pulling yourself up enough by your bootstraps is going to get you set free from drugs and alcohol. It's not the key. Surrender is the key. If God's not moving in your heart and you don't feel the workings of the Holy Spirit in your life, maybe forgiveness is the key. If you are speaking negative and more negative continues to happen in your life, confession, godly confession is the key. Confessing the scriptures, come on, come on somebody, is a key. Sometimes your negative speaking is the very thing that locks you up in your own prison. Come on, I'm trying to, I'm telling you about keys this morning. And Jesus said to him, put your sword in its place. For all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Those who take the spear will die by the spear. Or do you not think that I can pray to my father and he will provide for me more than 12 legions of angels? The Lord's wanting to unlock some things for your life. He's not wanting you to go just through the Christian motions. He's wanting you to receive breakthrough. He's wanting you to receive promotion in his kingdom. He's wanting you to be able to experience more of his love. Every eye closed right now. I pray that you would do that even in these moments right now, Father. I pray that you would highlight to your people where they've misused keys in your kingdom. And I pray against every locked door, those that have been due to our own self and our own decisions and selfishness, even, even whether it came through promiscuity, whatever it is, poor decisions, things that didn't line up with your kingdom. Right now, Lord, I'm asking that you would Reveal to your people the key, the key that will unlock the door to their next step in their relationship with you in Jesus' mighty name. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.